CabanaDeprived.com is proud to present Top 8 Magic Podcast with Michael J. Flores and Brian David Marshall. Brought to your ears thanks to FaceToFaceGames.com. So, I don't really want to talk about basketball. What if I go on the suicide watch? I'm currently on the suicide watch right now. I was right? just going to say, you should be back on. You were good after game four. Yeah, yeah. You had a... You had a healthy, made some healthy progress. Yeah, yeah. And then a total backslid after game five. Yeah, I, you know, I hung the necktie back up. Oh, you know, but, uh, you know, I figured tomorrow night's game is going to be in Cleveland. The Celtics are god-awful on the road. What, one in a hundred or something. Um, hope this is my dream. The Cavs win a handy one, you know, like, you know, double-digit, decent double-digit win without LeBron having to... <laughs> right. You want to yeah. rest LeBron. Yeah, I mean, I think, like, it's it's so weird if you watch them. Like, Corver didn't miss a shot for two games when they were in Cleveland. Like, I don't actually, I don't understand how that is, how, like, he just is invincible in Cleveland and then, like, just, like, a very good shooter in in Boston. So, so if, the fin- if the NBA Finals... Yeah are the Boston Celtics versus the Houston Rockets. Yeah. Which is the, Certainly the, the, possible the right higher now. probability at the moment, right? No, right? no. I don't think no, so. No, you don't no. think so? I, I think that the Cavs are, I mean, very likely to win game six. And then it's just going to be LeBron James hero right. time in game seven. But, but Ask the just, Warriors right. how game seven right. goes Rocket, at home. Rockets and, and, uh, and Celtics. And start. Celtics. And what would the Pro Tour metagame equivalent to that be? Would that be like Pro Tour New York with like rising waters I mean no with a like paper and like red green sapling bursts okay, one of the decks winning. one of the decks is an unplayable deck okay with a really really good player okay so it's just like maybe that time that you convinced Brad Nelson to play like <laughs> your horrible Vegvine dredge that deck that deck was so good except in that tournament okay so Think about some time where you have an unplayable deck, but an amazing pilot. Okay, like that's that's what he's like. Such a good pilot. He's you know all Wait, the. So who so who is this? Who's what? Which team equivalent is this? Brad Stevens. <coughs> you understand gotcha. there are literal teenagers guarding LeBron James right now. Like guys who aren't old enough to drink. Are, Jason, Jason Tatum is just unreal. So I mean the thing that I'd ask is like you know a little asterisk on that. What do you think the likelihood of the Cavs not winning Game Two is? Because LeBron was a, was having a you know a, a game for the ages. This in game is two. not talking about basketball. Right? Yeah, this is not talking about basketball. Game Two, there he's at he had 21 points in the first quarter, and then he got that like Roman Reigns spear to the face, right? Like clearly was concussed and is violating the concussion protocol. There's no way that there that, that didn't happen, right? right? For LeBron to leave the floor means that he was you know, he doesn't yeah, get yeah. hurt. So and he's just like I'm LeBron James. I'm a you know a cyborg. It was, it was like I, basically he got punched with Hulkbuster armor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he just doesn't open, and then he just, he ends up with forty odd points because he's LeBron James. But he was having a game for the ages, and then just is reduced to like, and they were like up twenty or something, right? Like yeah. he's reduced to like regular level uh, for a while, but he just had like not a good game after that for him. And then they just crushed the Cavs so, so, in, the, in, so the, in the third and fourth. At quarters. the moment of recording, you're still just assuming it's going to be Warriors Cavaliers in the finals. Uh, I'd love it to be Houston Cavaliers because then I'd have a chance. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm not saying it's a great chance. You know, wasn't a great chance in 16 either. You know. Yeah. All right. But, but I mean, like, come on, the, the war. I, I agree that the Warriors last year were probably like the last two years probably the greatest team of all time. By, by the way, but who can cheer for them plausibly? By the way, Brian David Marshall. Mike Flores here for Top 8 Magic, not talking about basketball. This is not talking about basketball. 
Okay, so, so look. I think, Atlanta, I think LeBron Hero is up in game seven. Okay, LeBron leaves the Cavaliers. Let's assume for a second. Maybe. How much better does your life get if he becomes a New York Nick? I don't know. I figure this I, is like dividing by zero. I figure the Knicks went from about like a three percent chance of him coming to them to like a three and a half to four percent chance with Fizdale. Because he, he loves Fizdale. He loves Fizdale. He loves Fizdale. He loves Fizdale. So and, and the Knicks certainly have younger, better ex Knicks around him than the older, more broken down ex Knicks around well, him I on mean, Cleveland. Hold on, hold on. Let's forget about the one broken down ex Nick that's currently on Cleveland, who's my favorite player. <laughs> He's my, my pilgrim's eye. As, as predicted. As predicted, he's my pilgrim's eye. I just point out, like, the Cavs' young, unexperienced players are great, and the Knicks' young, unexperienced players, there's a good one who keeps getting hurt, and then a bunch of ones that aren't that. I mean, like, Larry Nance is going to be a superstar. Like, he's going to develop into, like... He's not staying in Cleveland. Larry Nance? No, LeBron. I think I think that the plurality thing is I think LeBron LeBron is most likely to stay in Cleveland, but that doesn't mean he's likely to stay in Cleveland. Like so, say maybe it's like only you know fifteen percent of, of, of all the options of he's landing like most spots. likely to go sure. to Cleveland. And I think that if they win the championship, he has a good chance of staying. Sure. Uh, which you know they're not likely to win the championship right now. I'd say they're substantially less than fifty percent to win the championship right now. Um, but you know, I mean, Brad Stevens is a coach for the ages, obviously. <laughs> Uh, and you know, and, Ty- and Tyron Lue is really bad. He's really bad. Like, as, as, seriously, like I know everyone says Eric Spoelstra is a, a very good coach. How would you ever know? But but that's my point. Yeah. Like has has LeBron ever had a, a great good, coach? A, a great coach. Like they say, David Blatt was a great coach, uh, but then LeBron just wouldn't accept him because he wasn't an NBA NBA experience. Like LeBron wanted Lue <coughs> because he had won championships with a uniform on, right? Like. It's like, I mean, can you imagine if he just had Kerr instead? Kerr has won five championships with the various uniforms on, including he was a Cavalier. All right, Mike, I'm, I, I, we have to have, I have to talk about magic because I'm also doubling up here. I'm, I'm, I'm multitasking. I need you to give me the snapshot of Standard. I'm heading to the Pro Tour on Monday. Okay. I'm going to be there all week. Standard's the format. We've had a lot of Standard uh, in the weeks since the set's been released what's going on right, right. now there are a lot of decks that are available that you can play okay i'll run down let's say the first four or five most important decks we'll just start there okay by far the most important two decks are blue white control and black red aggro okay we'll start with blue white control because black red aggro is in a weird situation and we'll talk about why that is in a second blue white control defined by a single card from dominaria I'm sure you know what is what this card is. Teferi. Teferi, Hero of Dominaria. We are at the point where decks are not playing another victory condition. They're just playing Teferi. And the, I mean, unless you count like Ipnu Rivalith, right? Which is, they might play one or two. Right. Might play nothing, right? In the beginning of this format, they were playing as many as four Torrential Gearhulks and other Planeswalkers. We've seen versions that have like one Gideon, right? Right now, Typical, the mode blue-white control deck is going to have a ton of card drawing and permission, combination of Fumigate and Settle the Wreckage, one to two commit memories, four copies of Teferi, and that's their only way to win, right? So their objective is and to... If so, and if someone hasn't played with the deck, or how does how does Teferi win for you? So Teferi has three abilities. One of them is really cool, the plus one ability. Draw a card. Draw a card and untap two permanents. So if you tap out um, on, uh, on turn five to cast it, you can untap two lands and then have 
like a negate, an essence scatter, or a steal away ready, right? Depending right. on what threat your opponent has. And so you can defend Teferi with your mana, right? The Teferi has a, net, a minus ability, which allows you to like bury a permanent per, uh, temporarily. But its most important ability is you get an emblem. And the emblem is whenever you draw a card, you can exile a permanent. So you can make the opponent have no permanence. That at the point they have no permanence, they're basically, or just get them, let's call it under four mana. Like, plausibly and consistently under four mana, which is about where how much mana you would need to interact with the Teferi. You can, if you have like 10 mana in play, you could just play two Teferis and bury them into your own deck and then just like play the other Teferi and then draw into it and then just get another Teferi and you have an emblem going. So you're drawing and embleming them with, with the Teferis. You're burying the other Teferi with the Teferi's minus ability. So you just are in a situation where you always have a Teferi in your deck and your opponent just will run out of cards by drawing one card a turn, right? So this is really just the apex of misery, right? And there's big problems with this strategy in timed rounds, right? If you don't win game one, right, you're probably gonna have to spend, you know, conservatively eight slots in your sideboard, maybe 12 slots in your sideboard on cards like History of Benalia, Lyra, uh, Torrential Gearhulk, Gideon, some way to win the game, right? Because if you don't win game one, you are, <laughs> <laughs> it's two twos for three beatdown is uh is, is going to be your strategy separately from that um if you do win game one it will take a long time and in the immortal words of pro tour top eight competitor chris benefell if i win game one and i lose the match that's my fault <laughs> so um that is blue white control it is one of the two most important decks the red, red black is obviously the deck that was very dominant at the last i, said, well, the, I mean at the last individual grand prix, grand prix there yeah. were six red black decks in the top eight in the last Team Grand Prix, there was only one red-black deck in the top four and two blue-white uh, blue decks. Yeah. All right, so red-black, I think, is going to be the most popular strategy for a couple of reasons, right? So when we say red-black, it is wildly, overly ambiguous to just say red-black. Red-black and standard is at least three different archetypes. Most people probably would look at them and not be able to tell you that because there's a lot of crossover in cards, all right? So... The original version of Red Black is kind of an inheritor to the Red Aggro decks that we've seen, uh, you know, from, you know, Ramming Up Ruins forward, even with no Ramming Up Ruins, uh, with uh, Hazaret is played almost not at all. I think we saw Hazaret in a top 32, but have not seen Hazaret anywhere near a top 8 or a top 4. Uh, that's because there's such a high concentration of kind of more controllish uh, Red 4s that are being played. So, Red Black deck is... Often the most aggressive deck at the table, and when I say at the table, I mean in a one-on-one -on -one match, it is by far not the most aggressive available deck in the format. So when I say it's a bunch of different, uh, bunch of different archetypes, you're going to have versions that have one-drops, but the one-drops could be uh, uh, Soul Scar Mage, and there's a reason for that. And there's going to be other versions that have Bomac Courier, some that don't have Bomac Courier at all. Um, and the payoffs on this deck are unlicensed disintegration. It's weird. I think it's the biggest payoff. Some people, including Grampy Birmingham winner, only played three copies, right? Uh, and Chain Whirler. So Goblin Chain Whirler is the most important card in the deck. Uh, it combos with Soul Scar Mage to great effect. Uh, Gives you a little bit of like an inf mini infest ability. Yeah, I would say that Green Black, um, whatever. I don't know what you're gonna call it. Like Green Black mid range, Green Black. Uh, 
you know, whatever the snake whatever snake, energy. Yeah, yeah. It, 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 there's, a, there's a bunch of sub-archetypes there, too. It is at best the fifth most important archetype, and that is largely because of Goblin Chain Whirler. My god, does that card annihilate decks that are reliant on one-toughness creatures. For so example... You're saying Saprolings won't be the big breakout deck How about Merfolk Branchwalker, Glintsleeve Siphoner, Llanowar Elves, uh, Jade Light Ranger. There's a boatload of one-toughness creatures in that deck that all go to the graveyard at the same time when the opponent casts a Chain Whirler. By the way, Chain Whirler taps to crew Heart of Kirin by itself, which is really important. Red Black is the weirdest deck in the format, and it's either the first or second most important deck. It's the weirdest deck in the format for one reason. It is the greediest of all the aggro decks. And when I, when I say that, I mean it plays all of, up to four copies of some of these cards, but all of Walking Ballista, Heart of Kirin, uh, Scrap Heap Scrounger always plays four copies of that, and Kong, right? So it's there's another one that plays all four of those cards, but the other aggressive decks only play maybe two copies of those cards. So if, if you're gonna play a team event, if you're gonna play Red Black, which might be the best deck in the format, not sure, a lot of teams are going to be blue white control, red black and a bad deck because if you have <laughs> if you have red black on your team, you can't play another plausible aggro deck. It literally plays four cards that are required to be like at least two of whom are required to be played in another archetype. Cross aggro all-stars. Cross aggro all-stars. All the decks play Heart of Kirin, Scrap Heap Scrounger, Walking Ballista so funny, or Karn in some combination. The, the red black deck looks very much to me to be like a hybrid of the two most popular aggro strategies over the past like two Pro Tour seasons. Yeah. Which is like the red, white, black, you know, like Mardu, Mardu, yep. Mardu vehicles and mono red aggro. So like, like it has like so many elements of both of those decks. That's a great observation, Brian. So this, by the way, all highly favors John Rolfe to be the constructed master going to the world championship. Why is that? Because uh, he leads. Well, he currently leads, right? So okay, he's the well. favorite. Uh, oh, but he's, it's just like it's just like you're 84 percent likely to win when you're up by like six points or four minutes ago. But, yeah, he, but he also but he's also played largely played uh, red decks very well uh, thus far. He played like Hazaret, you know, Remnant so Red. These decks are very different from the. From I understand, the, <clears> but like you know, it's it's still it's still philosophy of fire, right? It's still <laughs> it's still just about being able to get your opponent to zero. Usually, almost like ugh, so, ugh, get there. The red black deck has surprisingly little reach, actually. So, um, Chandra gives you some reach, right? So that deck typically plays uh, two copies of Chandra. I'd say it could play up to four, but it plays two copies of Chandra, and then uh, plays like about two copies of Karn. But but it's just Chandra, and like as few as three unlicenses integrations might be the only reach in this deck, with like all the removal cards being like a braid. I guess cut to ribbons is a reach card if you have it off the yeah. back side. So. Yeah. Surprisingly little reach for a red deck. So the next most important deck is black-white vehicles. So when you're talking about kind of a hybridization of those two strategies being ramming up red and Mardu vehicles, <coughs> that's that's right. Black-white is the other half of that Mardu, hat, uh, Mardu deck. So um, this is the deck favored by guys like Jerry Thompson, uh, and it is it's a it's the deck that. Co won um, uh, the Toronto Grand Prix last week uh, in teams. It was the it was the standard leg of the of the winning team. Black white in another context, you would look at this and just be like, this is just the Cadillac aggro deck that you could play. It's got uh, 
what's the one one dwarf that's a three one three two whatever? Oh, uh, um, what's his name? Toolcraft exemplar. Toolcraft exemplar. So it's got toolcraft exemplar, and then it has it is the other greedy deck that has heart of Kieran, walking ballista, uh, Karn, which makes these decks incompatible you in a unified team both, yeah. format. Karn and Scrappy's Karn. You cannot play them both because they kind of both need most of those cards, right? I get, there's a lot of theory most that you Most of can, those Karns, you said? Well, yeah. But you can strip some of the cards out of... The cards that you can strip out of red, uh, red, black in order to make another deck are usually the ones the other deck wants. So it's not... Like, well, I, I still want to keep Scrappy Scrunch. Oh, great. Like <laughs> How about I give you back the the Ballista? I'm like, no. I that, want that sound you hear is Mike's teammate complaining about all the cards Mike's taking out of his deck to build his deck. So... The black-white deck, it's, it should be the Cadillac deck. Uh, it's got some sort of five. It could be Angel of Sanctions or Lyra, or a combination of both, maybe main deck and sideboard. Along, you know, But it's much more mid-rangey because it's not a red deck, right? It's a black and white removal. Uh, you know, it, heavier reliance on Karn because they don't have Chandra. Could have some Gideon action. Um, and then, oddly enough, it's mostly a white deck, but has main deck white of Knight of Malice on the two. So there's a couple things I hate about the black-white deck. Its mana base is atrocious. It has multiple copies of Basic Swamp and four copies of If Near Deadlands. I cannot imagine wanting to tap an If Near Deadlands on turn two to cast a Knight of Malice. That is like, that's the only black creature in the entire deck, right? And it's like, uh, Knight of Malice, take one. I mean, you don't even want it the damn two-two, right? Taking one here. And it just, it has Basic Swamp. It's like, it's a, it's literally a Toolcraft Exemplar deck with both If Near Deadlands and Basic Swamp, and has come into play tapped uh, black-white dual lands, right? So its mana base is surprisingly atrocious, okay? Uh, and the biggest problem with it is, even given all of that, right, the tensions that you could have on black-white, it's just a bad black-red deck, right? Like, at the end of the day, black-red's payoffs are unlicensed disintegration, which will knock Lyra the hell out of the sky for two fewer mana than Lyra costs you, and net you three life, and they'll never, you know, it yeah. just destroys them on tempo, destroys them on, on the life, on the life loss. So this and, is, is this the update? Is this now dies to unlicensed disintegration? Oh, but it dies. Is that the, the new hot Twitter account? Well, if if red black weren't so dominant, but it is, right? And then the other thing is, if you've got a deck that's like chain whirlers at all, come on, man. Against a toolcraft exemplar. Like in playtest games, I've just like got like the aggro draw with multiple toolcraft exemplars. Turn like they're like turn two heart, turn three tool, uh, turn uh. three chain whirler. But like three for one, you attack you for four with vigilance is just not where you want to be in the heads up. It's so bad against black red. That's like you just like lever. The only way you ever want to flip black white, I think, in this matchup is just like get behind Karn. Your Karn doesn't go anywhere. You're like defending Karn, and then you know you just get massive card advantage from Karn, and then. Just win on the card advantage, not on right. not on the value of your cards, because your cards are worse than theirs, <laughs> right? Um, <clears throat> this deck also has history Benalia, though, so it's really it's this Cadillac deck. It should be great. It's just like in poker when you have the but you second, have it, but you have it as the number three deck. Yeah, people still play it. It won a Grand Prix last week. Yeah, Jerry Thompson thinks it's one of the reasons it's good is that if you think blue white is the most popular deck, which I think that probably between blue white and black red are going to be the most popular deck. If you think blue white's the most popular deck? Black-White is a way better matchup against them than um, Black-Red because of Knight of Malice. So protection from, or fake protection from white yeah. is really good against, um, you know, Seal Away right, and, right. and Teferi. So there's that. The fourth most important deck, which might, you know, in my opinion is 
my favorite of the aggro decks, but it's it's it has a di less. I don't. It depends on what you think is an important in the payoff. It's basically mono green aggro, um, and mono green aggro is you know land of war elf steel leaf champion. All the decks as have, predicted, right? All, as all soon the, as you saw the cards. Yeah. All the decks play Merfolk, Branch Walker, and Heart of Kirin. So this is a great example of um, where you're going to see team conflicts because you could theoretically play Mono Green as actual Mono Green with no black, and then you know, you know it's not a team pro tour this week. Oh yeah, I mean that's yeah. talking about yeah yeah in general. On, okay, but this is a this is important for some people. Yeah yeah, yeah well, so. absolutely absolutely. And so um, uh, is that. Uh, Mono Green is the best Scrap Heap Scrancher deck in the format because it has all the Explore decks. So Explore, Explore and Scrap Heap Scrancher are great friends for, sure. for multiple reasons. And so giving that up, it's not just you give up Scrap Heap Scrancher. Scrap Heap Scrancher is one of the key guys that you have to crew Heart of Kirin. So like the green deck is really surprisingly robust against removal. That's one of the things I was really surprised at. The deck has like three spells. It's like three blossoming defense. Like you don't count Heart of Kieran. It's just dudes, right? So, like, oh man, this thing must must pack to mass removal. Not really. You just like attack with two guys at a time, so you don't get blown up by settle by settle, and you just yeah. don't play all your guys to the board. And then if they tap up for fumigate, you just rebuy. Uh, like Ronus doesn't die, right? And then you just rebuy Scrap Heap Scrounger and crew your heart with it, right? It's it's awesome. So. Uh, this deck really, really relies on Scrap Heap Scrounger to crew the heart because it's otherwise really vulnerable to removal. And um, it's it's so cool because of Galta. It's just the easiest. You cast Galta for two in this deck, like, it's nothing. <laughs> Galta's the 12-12 uh, oh, yeah. legendary I've, dinosaur. I've lost to it in many a draft. It's so easy to get out because if you're just like, you know, first turn Land of War Elves, like turn three, uh, uh, turn two, Steel Leaf uh, Champion, or turn two, a better play might be like, Turn to Ronus, turn three Steel Leaf Champion, like turn on Ronus, get in there with Ronus, you know? You have like 11 power in play already. Galt is already like like net one mana at that point, right? right? And, then then, and you can do stuff like rebuy Scrap Heap Scrounger, Crew Heart, like just getting it out. It's so easy to play Galta for cheap in this deck. And um, Land of War Elves is both a source of power and a source of mana in this deck. So it's just this minor thing. If you're gonna. Hey, what kind of dog is that? I don't know. It's a jackhammer terrier. Jack, <laughs> that's pretty good. <laughs> At least it has an incredibly beautiful owner. It does. Um, it does. So that dog is as big as that owner. <laughs> and that's a that's a not not a small owner. That's not a petite sized owner. It's no. a huge dog. So anyway, the thing about mono green or you know green splash black because it does have like some black removal cards in the sideboard as well as typically a couple of copies of Vraska. Um, in addition to Scrap Heap Scrounger activations in the main deck. The thing about this deck is you have to ask yourself, question number one, is Steel Leaf Champion a good enough payoff, you know, relative to, you know, its, its macro block competitor of Goblin Chain Whirler, right? Like, right. those are like both the color, color, color card from the set. And separately, you know, you're, you're giving up on license disintegration to play this strategy. But the secret, Only because you're not trying hard enough. <laughs> the secret is, Lana Elves is the best card in standard. So. And that's just always true whenever Lana Elves is legal. It's legal. Well, no. <laughs> when, like, Noble Hierarch and Birds of Paradise were legal, Lana sure. Elves didn't see much play, right? You know, <laughs> you know just, Birds of Paradise is better, but yeah. Lana Elves is the best right now. Right? So it's the best card in standard. Um, if you're on the play against any I mean, al deck, allegedly this card has lured Brian Kibler out of, like, 
Magic Exile to come play in this Pro Tour. Awesome. Just because Llanowar Elves is legal. Probably rack up his third Pro Tour win. <laughs> you know, last time he came back randomly for a Pro Tour, he won. Uh, he, when he came back randomly, he top eight, and then he won. Well, I thought he won Austin he, on no, a random comeback. Oh, wait, did he? It was Austin. Oh, yeah. But, no, he he top eight at Amsterdam he, and then he, won Austin. Oh, yeah, right, something yeah. like that, yeah. Or Hawaii and then whatever, yeah. He top he top sixteen that Hawaii. I don't think he top eight of that. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, like when he comes back, is watch out. Yeah. If green is good, and it happens to be, I mean, I I think. Where do you where do you ha you have that as like still a tier one deck or just green most, or most popular? No, oh, the, the I don't know what I don't know what the best decks are because I think like all these decks are good. Yeah. It depends. Like if you think that people are gonna play a bunch of X one creatures, like you gotta play red, right? Like it, it just has so much free action. Like the most. The most matchup ending card in standard, if you're playing fair deck against fair deck, like with that both decks are attacking, is Heart of Kirin. And the ability to remove people's crew and potentially remove their Heart of Kirin in combat with cards like Fatal Push makes red black really valuable, especially if they're gonna play a bunch of X1s. You just get free wins off Chain World, right? That's like, that's just all, that's all table stakes, right? Pure aggressive power, I think Mono Green is better, right? Like. If you go first with the Llanowar Elves against a blue deck, you just have already won the game, right? Like, they can't stop, like, Heart Ronus. Like, they're, there's no way for them to stop it. Like, they, they're big plays to, like, tap out for a 5-casting class Planeswalker. What are they going to do? Like, bury one permanent? Like, yeah. all right, like, attack and kill your stuff. Like, that's not hard. Like, all their tricks are bad against Blossoming Defense. And after sideboarding, Mono Green can play as many as four copies of Lifecrafter's Bestiary. If you just go first turn Llanowar Elf, second turn Lifecrafters Beast Cherry, there's no way a fair, fair control that can ever win. You're just going to destroy them. That's that's probably like my favorite, like, I don't even know if you can still consider it a sleeper card, but like, it feels like a card that is just like floated under the tier one surface throughout its time and standard, it be but played, every time you see it played, it's just at least amazing. It's, it's, yeah, but that was in Teamer decks that had like, oh, and they needed to make room for negates. Us green mages don't, <laughs> we don't have negate, right? Like we don't, we don't need to think about that. Our way of beating a control deck is by drawing three cards a turn. And the other thing is there's that card's G, I can't remember the name of it. If, you, if one of your cards is targeted, draw a card. Oh yeah, You yeah, can yeah. play that card and Life Crafters Bestiary at the same time. There's many decks that have both cards on their sideboard. Like you need to have a card like Approach of the Second Sun, right? Like that you win in a non-interactive way because you and cannot beat everything I've seen, decks. the blue white decks really don't have. No, they don't have win conditions. They don't have Approach. No. You're not going to beat these decks with History of Manalia. Their guys are all 5-4 or 5-5 five, five for 3. They're drawing 3 cards a turn, and when you try to kill one of their guys, they draw a card. If you tap <laughs> out, they play Vraska, right? Like, this is... or, or Nyssa. Like, so these decks typically the sideboard have Vraska, Nyssa, Lifecrafters, Beastiary. They are a nightmare for control decks, right? So, I think, like, Black-Red has a fine matchup against control. It could go either way, though. Black White has a better matchup than Black Red because of Knight of Malice. Um, I mean, I guess you could presume you play sideboard Knight of Malice. But the not, white, but the white black, the white gonna lose to the, yeah. the white black deck's going to lose to the red black deck. Yeah, so red black deck is a heavy advantage against the black white deck. The green deck can beat all these decks. So I think like it just really depends what you think the outlook is. Like one of the one of the popular decks at the beginning of the format was like the White Swarm deck, which is like Sram's expertise and like all these like one one producers for you know like. And like the Banalish Marshal, like that deck obviously is unplayable now that we know about the Goblin Chain Whirler Red yeah, yeah. decks, right? Like 
it's completely unplayable. But if like you thought people were gonna play that, you'd be crazy not to play the chain roller deck, right? Right, right. So, but that deck has advantages. Like that deck's incredibly resilient. Um, it has a ton of card advantage and it can win quickly. Like those are really, really good things, unless your opponents are playing with Fumigate and Goblin Chain Whirler. Oh well, those are the two most popular decks. <laughs> now you said you said four or five decks that were at the top. Is that everything, or is that you counting so like the, the next red? deck is black, black green? I'd say. Okay. So black green is it's just the you know constrictors and uh, you know the the return of the green gear Hulk. Uh, you know that deck is out. It's heavy on creatures. Uh, it has almost no spells. Only four of spell that's typically played in this deck is Adventurer's Impulse, which is the kind of yeah. horrible Traverse it's, the Uvenwald. I, I do not love that card. It is a very bad Traverse the Uvenwald, and it's a four of in many decks, which means that Traverse the Uvenwald was probably way too good, <laughs> right? So this is the only Traverse the Uvenwald we've got. You can't even pick if you want to land or a creature. Four of straight in. As a, as a byproduct of that, we're seeing way more, you know, ravenous chupacabras than conventional re uh, removal because you can tutor for it with Adventures Impulse. You didn't see the air quotes. Yeah, yeah. so tutor. this is not much of a tutor, but it is concentrating it at a greater rate. It was rate. like air quotes into crossed fingers. It was, yeah. it was very great. But this deck is like, but it has like, you know, it's, it's kind of rando. Like, it's got some 1-1 one -one stuff, you know, plus one, plus one counter stuff. It's got, it's got those synergies. It, it, when it looks good, it looks spectacular, but the deck probably plays something like 16 one-toughness creatures. You cannot plausibly play it if you think that uh, Goblin Chain Whirler is one of the most popular decks in the room. Like, that's just... You're just... You just can't, it's not that you can't win. You can't even remove their guys because your deck doesn't have any spells. Like, right. Your deck is like 20 dudes, 16 of which die all at the same time to the 3-drop. And they don't even have good answers to heart. Like, this is one of the few aggro decks that doesn't have heart. So, right. they're like Ballista, you know, could have Scrap Heap Scrounger. One thing I like about Black Green is they can play as many as eight um, Explore guys. I think, like, Explore, they could have the the green Kenra. I assume they're running Fatal Pushes and all that. Some, yeah, all that. Yeah, but sure. Yeah, sure. I agree. Sure. I agree. They have that card. <laughs> the Black Red deck has that card, too. <laughs> You know, what did they, how are you going to fatal push my goblin chain whirler? Oh, right? Like, wow. it's like, I can push the hell out of your glint sleep siphoner, you know? And yeah. then, so anyway, that's ex And then there's like, people are, it's just like every other format ever. People want to play mono black control, right? What does mono black control look like? Various, uh, right? I think the, there's a lot of different builds of it. We're not sure what the mature version is going to be. I would guess the mature version has Glimpsleaf Siphoner in the sideboard, if not in the main deck, just because of Chain Whirler. Yeah. Um, four copies of um, of Gifted Age They're Born in all likelihood for our main deck. Um, multiple copies of Gonti. Right. So you see like Gonti, Gifted Age They're Born, and then... Gonti's a prick, by the way. I hate that. They them. is a prick. Well, whatever. Yeah, you're right. They, they, are, is, they, they, they is a prick, right? Uh, <laughs> they are unspecified genitalia. Um, could have some Nissas, could have some Ballista. It, it's it's all over the place, right? Uh, Jerry Thompson posted a version that had like uh, gilded lotuses and carns and tons of like artifact action. It's, it's unclear what the best version of Mono Black is going to be. I personally am a fan of Azor's Gateway. Um, you'll see, you'll see some uh, Hailfire. Let's add the. Torment of Hailfire. Torment of Hailfire. Hailfire yeah. Among other things, Torment of Hailfire can plausibly get a, a Lich's Mastery. Like, 
you have to do you have to do a little jumping through hoops, but yeah. you can get a Lich's Mastery. Yeah, Lich's Mastery was the card you were super hype on yeah, coming out of the pre-release weekend. Oh, I think that Lich's Mastery is an amazing magic card. I think that uh, it might never have its day in the Sun and Standard <laughs> because just the Teferi deck is too popular. Like the Teferi, Teferi is one mana cheaper than Lich's Mastery, starts drawing cards sooner, and is played alongside cards like Commit to Memory, Negate, and uh, Disallow. <laughs> None of which, like that, not, not one of those words that I just said, leads you to believe that Lich's Mastery is viable and standard. But I will say this, if you stick a Lich's Mastery against Blue White, you, you can't lose. Right. They can't remove it. Right. They don't have a freaking Gideon to attack you anymore. Uh, right, like in a in a, a past life, they could reduce you to all like zero non Lich's Mastery permanents with their Teferi and drawing a bunch of cards, and then you know just attack you to death with a uh, with Gideon or, or Torrential Gear Hulk, but no longer, no longer. I mean, that seems sweet. Can I just start with a Lich's Mastery and play somehow? Well, if you did, you'd probably lose, right? Like, oh yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's, not... that's true. That's true. Um, I mean, a Bomac Courier started to look pretty hairy. <laughs> if I, I mean, let's just ask you play. Oh, that's a very interesting statement you just made. <laughs> How many cards do you have in your hand? Interesting. Uh, yeah, I, I've, I've enjoyed Lich's Mastery and Draft, obviously. But, uh, so, so, questions about Standard. Some cards that are in Dominaria. And I'm just curious if you've seen them show up. First is three cards. Three cards that I've always liked to play in standard whenever they're legal. Guy's three blessing. copies of Gaia's Blessing. No. First of all, the correct number is two. I always like to have one one backup. Yeah. Is it a 61st or? Oh, wait. Single, single backer ring a 61st? All right. Single backer ring a third. Write it down, Carrie Dan. The name of this episode is Single backer ring a third Gaia's Blessing. Write it down. Um, yeah. You have, I mean, like. You know, right, Adrian Sullivan is someone who also has loved a gaze busting deck in his day and would often talk about the artificial intelligence of a deck, right? Like, you can picture some Sultai control deck, you know, yeah, lots I'm picturing of... it getting run over by red, <laughs> red aggro. Right? As, like, as you're sitting here talking, you're like, you're talking about these, I'm like, oh, God, this is, this imaginary deck that's in my head is just getting trounced. <laughs> but I'm like casting gaze blessing with no targets just to draw a card. <laughs> I'm like, you know that that there's this card, Teferi. It does all the things you want your Gaze Blessing to oh. do while removing your opponent's entire board by itself, right? It has the ability to draw a card. It has the ability don't get decked, right? Yeah. And it adds the ability one-way apocalypse, <laughs> right? So on the other hand, it isn't green. Yeah, well, that's... that's Neither a big... is Gaze Blessing. <laughs> Never has been green. Um... All right, another card. Yeah. One of my most drafted commons in Dominaria. And a card that I expect you have have to have tried out in Standard. Skittering Surveyor. I don't even know what that is. It's Pilgrim's Eye. It's a 1-2 for 3. It doesn't fly. It doesn't. What color? Artifact. 1-2 Artifact for 3. Yeah, go search your library for a basic land, put it in your hand. It's Pilgrim's Eye. It's in Dominaria? Yes! If we had ever done a Dominaria set review, I would know that. <laughs> I have not tried this card. I don't think it's the time. I don't think it's the time either, but man. The problem is a one-two doesn't interact with anything. I, that's, 
Yeah, I mean, there have been times where Pilgrim's Eye is like, oh, okay. People least... aren't even playing their Bomac Couriers because of Goblin Chain Whirler is so lethal. Like, they're... Can you imagine that don't... They were playing a red deck that has a card that says, if you have an artifact, it, this card that was already all right gets super boosted. I'm just not going to play the best artifact aggro card. <laughs> Might die to a Chain Whirler. Like, that's how warped around Chain Whirler the format is. Wow. But so, so no, so no on Pilgrim's Eye. Well, Pilgrim's Eye could like, you know, this it could, could block no matter, no matter what kind of sword a, uh, a squadron hawk was carrying, it could block that guy. And if you had a splinter twin on it, it could block it indefinitely while drawing an extra card per turn. This is not the situation we're in currently. All right, next question. Uh, let's see. So how about any of the sagas besides uh, History of Nubinalia? Oh, so some of the sagas how, are how playable. About, how about, like, the, the Phyrexian scriptures? That is not the best black saga. No. But by far the best black saga, which is I have seen as many as four copies played main deck at this point. It came out in... Birmingham, one of in a sideboard. I have seen as many as four copies in the main deck. The Eldest Reborn. Okay. The five casting cost one. Yeah, and that's where they uh, sack a creature, discard a card, and then you get to reanimate something. Yeah. Yeah. It, that card good. is insane <coughs> if your opponent has good cards. <laughs> it's like not good against like swarm decks, right? Right. But we're in a world where like people are playing glory bringers and, you know, I guess you could like accidentally get like a Knight of Malice or something, but every deck has Karn. So, like, you can, like, if you can, you know, remove their Karn, then you can, you know, it's it. That card is up to a four of. Um, and that's in the black control decks, or is that like. Some versions of black control deck. Is or the green black deck, even. Red black play it. First, oh, yeah. red black I saw on the sideboard. Like, it's, it combines fine with, like, um, unless it's disintegration, duress, um, any of that stuff. So you, you talked about the green decks. Have we seen any? Have you seen anybody playing Song of, Song of Frailies? Not successfully. No. I played against it a ton yeah, on Midgo. Card, card's super sweet, and but I don't know what you're. Half the time I don't know what someone would do with it. Like what are you gonna do? Cast one big card? Well, you you could ramp like you could ramp your some cheap creatures up into let's just say a green Gear Hulk. Yeah. Spread some counters, then you have this like huge trampoline, indestructible. The problem is like is you actually have given up a card, and you're compromising your baseline strategy this way. And if they just stop your big thing that you're gonna do, you're like, it's like, you know, like when you would vampire tutor for a threat, and then you'd cast them, and they'd counterspell it. <laughs> it's like that, but worse, right? Like, yeah, yeah. You know, at least your vampire tutor could have gotten something good. All this thing ever does is put you in a situation where you're gonna, you know. If you get your big thing shut down, right. then it's... I don't know. I, I I looked at him like, this card should be good. I just... I don't know why I would... It's not, not doing it for me. Another card that is a card I, I love. Sylvan Awakening. Sylvan Awakening? Which one is that? That is the one-sided sorcery speed natural affinity. Does it cost three? It costs three. Sorcery? Until your next turn, all lands you control become 2-2 two -two elemental creatures with... Reach, indestructible, and haste. They're still lands. Are they vigilant? They're not vigilant. What's the point of having reach at sorcery speed? 
uh, you get to, like, if you're getting destroyed by a Lyra, it's a time walk, for example. Okay. Right? You could be like, do this, pass. You can't attack. You can't destroy my lands. You can't get through. I mean, it's not good. <laughs> Look, this, is, this is an expensive way to do nothing. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Well, I mean, I, you know, we, we saw a lot of, like, ramp decks, and ramp is certainly still a viable thing you can do in standard like the black deck. red blue white and bad deck <laughs> i promise you that is the that is the recipe that you are all right all right all the problem right. is i mean the ramp payoffs could be like planeswalkers and approach but like the problem is what are you going to do on the other side of an hour of promise there is no Emrakul on the other right. side. There is no Ulamog on the other side. Like, what are you gonna put, like a Nezahal? I mean, like, come on. It's Hetzamok. Like, those are just cards people cast by tabbing land. Like, you don't need to devote 16 spell slots to getting that guy in sure. play, right? All right, all right. Let's see, what else? What else is uh, interesting to me? Yeah, I think that's, I guess that's really, those are, those are the cards I, I'm kind of curious and excited about. Um, I would love to see, like, Mono Blue with Tempest Gin in the Pro Tour. Yeah, that, oh, that was the other card I had wanted to ask about. Yeah. Like, that's, is, is that a card you've seen much of? Uh, yeah, with me playing it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, like, it's, you can make, like, you can make the best uh, kind of Flores tap out blue deck of, in a long time right now. Um, you know, you're... It, it depends what you're playing up against. That strategy is pretty bad against Land of War Elves going second, and it's it's surprisingly good against almost everything else, I'd say. I think you have the advantage against Blue-White. I think you, you have a slight advantage against Chain Roller decks. Uh, not like... I, I, don't, I don't know. It's not the kind of deck where you're like, if I have predictable matchups, I'm going to be way, way ahead today. It's not one of those decks. It's more than more than one of the decks that's just like, my power level is surprisingly excellent. It's not just excellent, surprisingly excellent, you know? Right. Where people are kind of underestimating your power level. You have an insanely better mana base than anybody else in the room. It's like 25 islands, probably. Um, compare that to black-white vehicles. Like, their mana base is an abomination. It's so bad. Like, it, like just for a two-color aggro deck. Uh, and... <laughs> Like Forsaken Sanctuary, Basic Swamp, If Near Deadlands in the same deck <laughs> as Toolcraft Exemplar. It just. I vomited all over myself and I'm not even embarrassed. I'm just covered in puke thinking about this man. The idea of casting a Knight of Malice on turn two, the If Near Deadlands, makes me want to never play Magic again. <laughs> it's just terrible. Put it back in the box, put, put it back under the tree. Let's stand and take it back. Can you uh, imagine that? And your opponent's like black, red, or mono black when you do that? You're just like, ugh. I about, took one. What about Urza's Ruinous Blast? Like, you know, you're talking about like Karn. That's a legendary sorcery, Yeah, right? it is. You're talking yeah. about Karn, though. You're talking about uh, Teferi. You're talking about Lyra. You know, all these cards that are people are playing. <laughs> oh, excuse me. I mean, what, you know, is that is that like a one-of possible reset button? I haven't seen it. I think it's kind of hard to... I think, like, if you're in a situation where so many decks can remove key permanents, you know, Unlicensed Disintegration and Teferi itself are both so commonly played. Right. You know, well, so... Well, it goes worse... It combos with Teferi. 
Isn't it legendary you have to have a creature? Uh, it's a legendary creature or planeswalker. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. That's why. I'm like, you know, you can have Karn or Teferi in play with this. And, like, you know, your opponent's just like, all right, I got to dump everything out to sort of try to go wide and kill this thing. So, yeah, I haven't seen it. I mean, it seems interesting to me at least. You know, maybe as a sideboard card, I don't know. Capish and Junior has been has been in a lot of decks. Have you seen those decks? Which, which Cap, you know, Baby Capishin. Uh, two U, um, W for a three three flash. Oh, oh, uh, Raf. Yeah, yeah. Raf Capishin. Yeah. Ship's Mage, I think, is his name. So that deck is pretty cool. You can play like Sagas at instant speed. So you can play like History of Benalia at instant speed. People all say that you can play Teferi at instant speed, and then I remind them that if you do that, you don't get the ability. They're like, oh, I can play Teferi at the end of your opponent's turn. Like, okay, that means that you didn't you didn't use him. It's going to be used on your turn. Like, like, ah, that's true. What about Moldrotha? Have you seen anyone playing that? No, but I imagine myself playing it all the time. <laughs> like, it's just... Have you tried to build a deck with it? No, I've, I've imagined building a deck with it. Yeah. My imaginary deck has 12 Explore creatures. Come on, it has Jade Light Ranger, and Merfolk Branchwalker and, and the... And you're just dumping all your cards yeah, into the graveyard with the your black one, I don't remember its name. But, the, the, you know, the one, you take a damage. Yeah, yeah. So the world's worst, like, Seder Wayfinder. I mean, he's in there. We we're, we don't discriminate. Yeah. And then we'll draw... The, the vampire one? I don't know if it's a vampire. You draw, you draw a card where he comes into play? No, the 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 black explore one. Oh, yeah. I don't know. I don't know his name. Yeah. He explores. Yeah. He's a good man. Terrible. <laughs> Much worse than Merfolk Branch. Like, have you actually tried building this? No, I've only imagined. You've only play tested in your head. I haven't even really played this in my head. <laughs> I said to myself, <laughs> my 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 mental collection is not complete yet. Wouldn't it be cool if See, I played all is, these cards this together? This is a home, by the way, for Pilgrim's Eye. This deck is a home for because you could Eye. cast an artifact for free. Yeah. Out of the well, pit. not for free, but you can cast it as a bonus. As a bonus, get an extra land. But we, I mean, what, what do we need to have like some kind of? <clears throat> Do you play Search for His Content in this deck just for, like, freebie <laughs> graveyard stuff? It's also an enchantment. Yeah. I like it. Yeah, it, wait, where is Search for His Content in all of it's, this? It's, it can be played in blue-white decks. Yeah. It's really interesting to me um, how much the format has changed with Dominaria. Oh, so I didn't mean to say, let's go back to building this Moldrotha deck. All right. <laughs> like, how many Moldrothas do you want? Uh, well, according two. to Frank Harson, I don't want... I want two or three, based on his probability chart. Really? He did some whole probability thing oh. about Legends. and Like, you don't want to get too many in your hand. You want to draw one. Do you know how many times I've played, like, four Kigas and four Godama <laughs> the North Tree and and uh, and four, you know, Malokus and two Asaus, you know? Yeah, I never lost any matches, okay? I, I don't know what to tell you, Frank Carson. Yeah. I love you, Frank Carson. Let me tell you about having a card that's better than all the cards in your opponent's deck and having it reliably and casting it, yeah. and then your opponent's just like, oh, that card's better than all the cards in my deck. And then you're like, yeah, I know, that's why I play it. You could also, in the deck, um, play Phyrexian Scripture. Um, you could. I think I'd want to play the Eldest Reborn in this. Like, isn't this a great deck for the Eldest Reborn? It's also, it's also terrific for that, yeah. I mean, you might play both. I don't know. But here's the thing. I like Phyrexian Scriptures, and I played it in, like, a... Uh, uh, mono black control deck with um, a bunch of artifacts before. Yeah. 
problem, and it's so synergistic with like, if you're playing, you know, it just gear up my one gifted Aetherborn and I've got like a Karn token or whatever. Yeah. So cool there. But the problem is it's so unreliable. Cause it's like, there's like a time lapse on it and. Yeah, but when you get to keep bringing it back, that first time is a little rough. Yeah. But but uh, those subsequent plays out of the graveyard, your Moldratha is still an artifact. I've got a, I've got a Moldratha in play, and I've gone, <laughs> in your universe, I've gone at least six turns yeah. with the Moldratha yeah. in play. Oh, you don't want to rush it, man. You don't want to rush it. How is my opponent <laughs> not at, like, negative 16? Oh, they've got a Lich's Mastery in play. I think that the 30-odd <laughs> damage I've done would probably have killed them already. Especially by Brexian scriptures. Like, yeah. they're blockers. <laughs> and my guys are getting bigger and bigger and they have no graveyard. Yeah. Right? So they're not even recycling from the graveyard with the with Yeah, Legis no, Master. no, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's true. Yeah, you've exiled their yard. Yeah. Like, yeah. Many times. All right, apparently. fine. We won't, we'll just, we'll just out this replay. I, I'm, I'm in for scriptures. I don't know what you're okay. talking about. I'm just trying to give you a hard time. I'll play it. I'll play anything. My deck has got Moldratha. <laughs> Anything else is more plausible already. You could also, you could also, I guess, Song of Freilies in this deck. No, I'm not Song of Freilies. <laughs> Why would I possibly Song of Freilies? So we can get like a turn four Moldratha to no. play. We're gonna two for one with Explore guys. Okay. Carefully block yeah. to get, you know, keep okay. our opponent from getting too much of an advantage, yeah. and then play a six, and then get like a guaranteed plus two card advantage before they kill it. And if they don't kill it, and we untap with it, then they're dead. Okay. okay. That's how we're gonna. All right, all right, all right. We're gonna drag them down. Our Jade Light Rangers are gonna pull their removal out. We're gonna systematically like get them with like a you know a cast down here or there. You know, you know, draw some extra cards. You know, card sweet in this deck also is um, mo the Mesmeric Fiend guy. Freebooter. Freebooter. Freebooter stinks. Freebooter's kind of sweet. You get to keep playing him for free out of your yard to just like take <laughs> apart their hand. What do you mean take apart their hand? They get their stuff back. When it dies. How do you think we're getting it back? It's dying. Yeah, but then you get to like... When they get their thing back. All it's right. just us tapping two mana every turn. I see. Freebooter's butt. He's like a peach emoji. Matt Wang is apparently somewhere here. I told him where we were. First of all, so. can you address him correctly? Grand Prix Boston champion, Great. Matt Wang. Can you believe it's 11 years since Steve Saden won a Grand Prix? No, I hadn't thought about it. How many years has it been since Matt Wing won a Grand Prix? Uh, I don't, like 10. It, it's probably also 11 years. Like They won the same year? I think they won. The, it was because we were podcast. Remember they had the podcaster? When are we going to win a Grand Prix? We, we stopped podcasting a Grand Prix. The trick is to podcast at a Grand Prix. Maybe we should play in a Grand Prix. That might, That's true, too. <laughs> that might increase our chances That's of winning true. one. Oh, wow. Well. I've, won, I've won a lot of side events at Grand Prix. I've done that. Have you won more or lost more side events at Grand Prix? Uh, probably lost more, yeah. but, you know. Um, have you drafted this format, by the way? Have you drafted no. Dominaria? No. I think you you will absolutely Should I just play that in FNM instead of... Because I don't have any constructed decks right you, now. You will absolutely love this draft format. A, a Walking Ballista is like $60. Oh, my God. One Walking Ballista. A Karn is like $60. Oh, my God. Like, I, I mean, there's like, I oh. don't know. Like, I, I think, like, this seems ludicrous to me like am i gonna buy like a set of scrap like i bought and invested in other cards right like, <laughs> like i could have bought these cards like but i just didn't want to play those cards i guess a year ago so instead i bought red cards that even though red's the best deck nobody plays and i don't think i own scrap heap scrounger somehow really yeah so i guess i could invest in blue cards or green or i mean i could just i don't know it's 60 dollars like, even for for someone who has like 
an ample amount of store credit in yeah. various places. I just sixty dollars for a walking ballista seems ridiculous. Yeah. Right. But like, then you should you should definitely draft this. I've been so in my last six drafts on Magic Online, I am. That's not even a mythic, right? I am fifteen and three. Oh, that's nice. Yeah, I had three straight finals losses, and I was like, ah, got it. Maybe I just don't win anymore. And then I won. I've won my last three drafts on Magic Online. I'm glad that you found something you like to do. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm gonna stick with it. Yeah. I think I'll probably just draft some more. Okay. But uh, but you know you why know, don't you stream your drafts? I should. Then you, then you could. What if you became the next like Kenji Ijahara? <laughs> Oh. Yeah, I'm sorry for butchering his name. Yeah. I don't know about East Asian things. <laughs> um, the, you know, card I, I draft a lot? That Pilgrim's Eye? Yeah. <laughs> it's one of my top three most drafted commons. I got it. It's very good. There's also a Mana War in the set that people keep passing me. Is it five casting costs? It is, unless you control another wizard and then it costs four. <laughs> and it's a three-two. When I was really good at draft, the Man of Wars all cost three. Yeah. I was talking to uh, Marshall about this. He was just, like, talking about the... Like, I was trying to explain to him about Brian Hacker. Yeah. And, like, Hacker basically invented Man of War draft. He invented, like, aggro in all formats. See, yeah. It's weird, somebody who, who's, like, so, you know, theoretically knowledgeable about Limited and, you know, such an influential content creator in so many different ways like Marshall just doesn't appreciate the vintage of a hacker right he, like, he does no he absolutely does he just it's just outside of his experience no but do you like go back and read all the hacker stuff that's what I maybe I should make him a, a maybe I should make Marshall like a care package like you should the Brian hacker reader yeah you should I'll do he that. would love that you could also put it in the notes of our podcast here I mean, for other a, people who probably most of the people listening probably No, I'm going to make like a nice PDF and I'm be like this is my gift and it's going to be like animated You could also put that PDF that link to that PDF in the show notes The Brian Hacker reader. So I told Brian Hacker that I would win Wang's a, in the wrong park by the way That I would win a team By the way, not okay, in this so park I told Brian Hacker I would win a team RPTQ and then I'd team with him. Yeah. But instead, somebody else wanted to team RPTQ and was like, hey, will you team with me? And I was just like, yes. <laughs> that was easy. Well, you're going to the Pro Tour? No, RPTQ. Oh, oh, oh. I mean, yes. I mean, I'm not going to not win. Yeah. Right? Okay. Like, Who are you RPTQing with? Uh, a guy, you, you don't know his name. His name is uh, John Markich and okay. uh, Roman. Oh, okay. Roman, who, congratulations, recently uh, got done with some leg of school. I don't, He's know done. He, He's I don't know if he has more school he in has his like future. A job. Wow. It's in California, though, so after the oh, no. RPTQ, is moving away. Oh, no. Yep. So, I mean, he's, he's going to be able to do what he wants to do with his life, which That's is, awesome. you know, which is, I guess, like crumpling up pieces of foil next to a microphone. <laughs> he's, a, he's a sound designer. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. So, that. like, if you, if you want to, like, hear him, like, geek out, like, talk to him about, like, uh, the, you know the cartoon, The Legend of Korra. Yeah, that's like he thinks that's like the apex of art because like their sound design is so good. Oh wow! He's like, and he's just talking about like how they made flame. How I they need made... To, I, re- I actually really need to watch Avatar: The Last Airbender in like a binge set- setting. Just watch Korra. Just watch Korra. I mean, will I appreciate I... it without having gone through the whole? It's okay. Yes, it's it. You don't. You will definitely get more Easter eggs and more general, you know, love of the material if you have an exhaustive understanding of Avatar when I'm you watch Korra. I'm going to sneeze again, just so you know. Uh, just don't sneeze on me. I won't. Like, I won't. Like, if I open my mouth. 
Don't aim for that. I won't. All right, so. But now I won't, now that you've put it in my head, yeah. I'm gonna put it in your head. All right, so. Um, uh, like, you'll definitely appreciate it yeah, more. Yeah, but that's, like, not, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm, but, I'm not gonna, you know. But I mean, Korra is so perfect. It's so good. So the thing is, like, actually, season two core is kind of bad. And then, the, the, you know, I have friends who work at Nickelodeon. They're like, they didn't know what to do with it, right? They're like, if it's not SpongeBob SquarePants, they don't know what to right. do with it. But it's like, core is such a transgressive work. It's and it's beautiful. It's it's absolutely beautiful. Um, I just say that Young Justice is better because I'm like a <laughs> superhero fan, but it's not real. Is Young Justice actually happening the new season? Yeah, there's a release date. There is? Okay. Q4 of this year. But I just feel like people have just been like sending me a link to an announcement that it's coming for no, like... No, there's a release. It's done. There's a, it's in the box already. It's a release date. So it's only on the new... It's on DC Universe, which is a new streaming service. Okay. But the, I don't know what but they're going to... But that's also... They're also doing something else on DC Universe, right? So DC Universe is going to be the Netflix of DC, but they don't have any new... They're, the only new things they're going to have are Titans and Young Justice and they're doing it Hulu style so they're releasing one episode a week oh. so like like when you subscribe to it there's just going to be nothing to watch except for things that you can see on CW Seed right but, right? Again, like, but maybe they'll just put all the you know the animated movies that they've done and like put I'm, them all in one place like I mean you already I have am, Netflix so you I can am get those all. literally so maybe they'll take all those off Netflix but I'm literally center square of someone who should want to buy this and in part because Young Justice is like my favorite show ever yeah but like I just I don't know like the, well, Titans is going to be on which is uh, Minka Kelly's on that you know Titans right yeah it's a I think it's in the same universe as Arrowverse right okay it's going to be live action yeah yeah okay but they're also doing some other animated show they announced besides that for the for the DC. The new announced shows that are coming out on DC Universe are Swamp Thing, Titans, Young Justice, and Harley Quinn. Harley oh, Quinn is an adults-only animated show. Okay. I don't know how adults-only it's going to be if it's right. on DC Universe, but right, like right. it's got the MA on it or whatever. Right. Right. Okay. So maybe it's like maybe Bob's Burgers. As, as adults only as the book is. Like ostensibly the book is adults only. I don't know. Daredevil is a heck of a lot. I'm not I'm sorry. Deadpool is a heck of a lot more adults only than any Deadpool comic book. Right. Okay. I mean, the Deadpool comic books have a lot of dismemberment, but it's hilarious. Have you seen uh, Deadpool too? I have. And? I liked it. Give me a letter grade. Uh, how did you like Deadpool 1? Uh, I enjoyed Deadpool 1. I had a lot of problems with some of the... Frat, frattiness of it, for lack of a better word. Is this, you're not going to have that alleviated in this one. Okay, yeah. Uh, in fact, this one relies on a trope that you'll hate. Okay. And I don't want to spoil the ending. Yeah. Or the, po you know, the post-credits of the ending, but like, as much as, as much as you love the movie, that is how much you will be exasperated by the ending of the movie and the okay. post-credits scene. So, I don't know if you noticed this, by the way, but, and I'm stealing a joke here from someone else, yeah. from, uh, but uh, the entire film was shot without ever showing the character's feet. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So the one thing I'd, I'd say that I didn't like about it is Negasonic Teenage Warhead has a girlfriend in this one. So, you know, she's gotten a couple years older and she has a girl. I guess some sort of X-Men girlfriend I couldn't really, really identify. Because yeah. the whole joke of Deadpool, it's all like C-level characters, right? Sure. Um, and they just don't have enough screen time because they're like the two coolest characters. I, I, I am super excited to see Zazie Beats playing uh, Domino. <laughs> Domino is the best character in the movie. She yeah. gets plenty of screen time. She is. I, I, you or, watch, do you watch Atlanta? No. Atlanta is probably... The best show ever. The best show ever. I mean, certainly the best. 
comedy ever, but then you can argue about whether or not it's actually a comedy because it's really... Well, you think it's the best comedy ever. You told me you thought 30 Rock was the best comedy ever, and that's kind of where I run with because... I, I think that this is in that stratosphere of just... Well, I mean, like, Arrested is coming out with season five I think it's year. way better than Arrested Development. You know, it's... It's so hard to gauge things across different times. Of course, like the fact that oh, like, absolutely, there like they didn't have smartphones yet when arrested. There's was certainly on TV. recency bias, but no, no, it's not just recency bias. Things get better over the show, time. The show, the right? show is just absolutely not like anything else that we've seen on TV. I like Donald Glover a lot. I think. He's so good. So, uh, or Domino or Black Black Widow, as she's referred to in the movie, <laughs> which is hilarious. That's hilarious. That's very funny. Whatever, Black Black Widow. And the other thing is just like, luck, luck isn't a power. That's not cinematic. And then she's just like doing all these amazing, yeah, like, you know, low probability things. Yeah, Probably going to see Solo this weekend. I'm sorry, do you mean Lando, a Star Wars story? Well, that's what I have said multiple times from the moment they showed the commercial in, is that it should be. In my family, I've forbidden my sister, my cousin, my children, anyone I hang out with who might want to watch nerdish movies. They are only allowed to refer to it as Lando, a Star Wars story. You see the subway graffiti editorialization. So what is he, he's the king? <laughs> Someone just like basically spray painted a crown on Donald Lando's Gl head. Donald Glover's head. Yeah, on the movie poster on the subway. So have you seen that stupid Star Wars movie yet? Not The Force Awakens, the one that I wanted to kill ever. Last Jedi that I saw twice in the movie. The, the, the last one? The last Jedi, yeah. Is that what it was? No, I haven't seen it yet. It's so bad. I still haven't seen it. But you're going to see Lando with Star Wars. Story. Yeah, I don't need to have seen. I can see them. Yeah, just, you'll want to, you'll want to get a red lightsaber and commit honorable seppuku with it if you see The Last Jedi. It's very bad. Ask me movies, I'll see which ones are very good and very bad. Uh, Infinity War, very good. Infinity War was very good. I enjoyed it. Thor Ragnarok, very good. You didn't like it? Uh, I... Like Thor Ragnarok, not as much. I, I found that the the humor of Thor Ragnarok just kind of was a little distracting from like the have movie. You, have you read Thor: God of Thunder? That's Jason Aaron's. Yeah. No. Um, shoot, your birthday was just. I've missed many of your birthdays. I'll just buy you Thor: God of Thunder. <laughs> uh, so I wanted to read the Mighty Thor, which yeah. is Jane Girl Thor, Jane Thor, yeah. Thor, and then I realized that. Jason Aaron had been writing Thor for like 10 years, right? Wow. And that this was like his third Thor volume, right? So he had, a, he had a couple of different Thor volumes along the way, but he started with Thor, God of Thunder. Yeah. Esad Ribic is the artist on Thor, God Are you familiar with I Esad Ribic from am. Secret Wars and everything? Yeah, I've seen his artwork. I mean, I've, I've gonna, seen his artwork and then Googled him and saw a lot more of his It's going to be blasphemous for me to say this because of like I'm such a, a Watchmen fanboy and everything. Thor, God of Thunder is so perfect. It's, it's weird because I only read it because I'm like, this is just the entree to reading Girl Thor that I wanted to read, right? It's so perfect. The thing that is special about this comic book is it's not a superhero comic book. It is a work of religion. It's like reading the Silmarillion, right? You know, the Silmarillion is yeah, like yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. Elvish Bible. Yeah, yeah. Like, they don't treat Thor like a superhero in this. Like, you know, as much as you, maybe you love Walt Simonson, right? It's like, oh, okay. Beta Ray Bill, Thor punching each other. Ooh, it's a superhero brawl. It, it might be a great superhero brawl. But Thor is just another... Don't, don't denigrate a superhero brawl. There are many... Or Beta Ray Bill. Okay, I'm not denigrating Beta Ray Bill. If I needed somebody to have my back, you know, <laughs> against, against, you know, the demon wraiths of, you know, some other galaxy... It would be Lady Sif. 
but only because Beta Ray Bill picked her first, okay? <laughs> so anyway, that's it, you know, Thor's just like a blonde Superman, right? Okay. He punches stuff, you know, he's strong. Thor God of Thunder, these are the kind of things, like Thor will go to another planet and like save somebody and bring rain, and then be like, oh, thanks for saving us, Thor. And the reason that he's at this other planet is because like a little girl on that planet prayed for rain. So a god of weather came and brought her rain, right? Like, there's just this amazing, like almost throwaway scene where uh, they really hint that she's gonna, this uh, female shield agent who's, who they kind of hint that's gonna be um, Thor's love interest. Um, uh, is like getting attacked by like the Roxxon Corporation and the Dark Elves of you know. I like the Roxxon Corporation. So they're that. they're they're coming after her, right? And then like out of nowhere, like it's like sub like, giant like, submarine fortress blows in half, but and Thor's there like to save her. And they're like the Shield agents are like, we can't help you. Oh my, you're you're trapped and alone. And like Thor's there, saves her, blah blah blah. And you know how come? She's just like I prayed a little. Because he's the god of thunder. It's just like... That's awesome. I hate to, like, put it this way, but you like you could be, like, an atheist. If you love comics and you love superheroes, like, reading this reading this comic will bring you religion. You're just like... It's... it's I mean, I'm, which it's silly to be like, oh, I'm, I'm a Viking. I'm going to worship, you know, uh, 8th century blonde dude with the hammer. You know, actually, he was red-bearded in, in, in Viking... In Viking lore. But, like, that's... It, it's so... You know, the kind of the epic scope that Alan Moore brought to Superman yeah. comics, right? Yes. It's like that, but it's hyper-intentional, like constantly. Yeah, that's the whole thing I'm, I'm looking forward to reading it for my next birthday. And S. Ed Ribbick draws it. And it's, it's the whole I, the, the, the whole macro thing is like, do we need gods? You know, are gods worthy of anybody's worship? That's like the whole big question that's being asked. And it's, it's freaking awesome. Like future like one-armed odin thor against galactus at the end of time is like is like one of the is one of like the big boss fights which is it's freaking ball like, galactus is like dude it's the end of time let me eat the earth already and thor's like nope <laughs> and he like calls the odin force he's like oh he's calling the odin force he's just like let's be honest this is the thor force and he's like one-armed, one-eyed, you know, 500 million years from now, Thor against Galactus. And hitting him with a hammer. What uh, what TV have you been watching? Are you watching Westworld? Yes, I am caught up to Westworld. I watched all of Silicon Valley. Um, What's your take on Westworld this season? What's your grade? I like it. But that I, I'm like not... a, I like it. Sounds like a B. Give me a, give me a baseline. I'll tell you above or below the baseline. Uh, is Billions over? I haven't watched any Billions. No, Billions isn't over yet. So we're only buying, like, one premium channel at a time and then, like, binging all the shows and then going to a different premium channel. Sure, that's a way you could do it. Yeah, so... so, so <laughs> that's a way. <laughs> so we binged, like, all the stars shows, right? Like, I don't know, did you watch Girlfriend Experience? No. That show is so filthy, you should watch it. It <laughs> is filthy. But, like, my wife likes Outlander. You know, Outlander. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. she's like, she, we want Outlander and... Girlfriend experience. Well, I don't watch Outlander. That's a girl. That's like, that's like Girl Game of Thrones, but she likes it, right? Yeah. So she watched that. I watched like, and then we like switched to HBO. And I'll watch. What's the one I do? You told me to watch with uh, Maggie Gyllenhaal. The oh, The Deuce. I haven't watched that one yet. Oh I'll yeah, The Deuce is great. Um, I'm almost caught up on Riverdale. I'm like maybe three episodes yeah. behind. 
I'm not caught up at all on the expanse, which apparently is going to Amazon next season. Yeah, uh, it's, it's not official yet, but it got canceled. Basically, Sci-Fi canceled it because they don't own the streaming rights to the show. Oh. They basically have, and so I watch it on Amazon. Yeah, so. and so everyone's freaked out. I'm like, well, here's the thing: if it was canceled because they don't own the streaming rights, my guess is the streaming rights are valuable enough yeah. that somebody will pick this. Like up. maybe the owner of the streaming rights, who's well, Jeff Bezos is apparently just some a huge fan of. Is this like when Ted Turner bought like an NWA, like an NWA territory? Because I like wrestling. Yeah, he he loves the show and the books. Apparently, it's awesome. Um, I haven't I have not watched this season yet. I was wait. I'm waiting to binge. Yes, yeah, so I'm, I'm just, waiting to binge that. But game isn't coming out for a while. So I think when I'm done binging. I don't know, like Silicon Valley, Westworld. I'll watch The Deuce. Or, is that The Deuce? What's the it? Deuce, yeah. We'll like switch to Showtime, and then I'll like because I'm like two seasons behind on Homeland. Yeah. And uh, and billions. Yeah, we watched Homeland. Homeland was was pretty good. I mean, like Homeland is always it's always good. good. It's just always yeah. But it's like it's just like it's like basically you just have uh, you have Saul and Carrie, and they're just both great. Yeah, but you're but you're like, what are you comparing it to? The Americans? It's not as good as the Americans. It's not as good as the. Oh my god, the Americans has one episode left. Do not serious. talk to me. I am in ex, in a, in excess of a full season behind. Oh my god, one episode left. I, Listen, you just told me about Thor and Galactus spoilers fighting at the end of time. I can That's tell just you one of the big boss I can fights. Just, I can just tell you that last this week's episode, without giving any spoilers away, should be Carrie Russell's Emmy reel. Let me explain something to you. Galactus, the eater of worlds. The eater of worlds. He's like, yo, it's the end of time. Let me just eat the earth. Come on, dude. And Thor's like, nah. Nah. <laughs> I like it here. He's just like, yeah, he's like, it's the Thor force, brother. He hits him with the hammer. What's your what's your best? Jason Aaron does such a good job with Mjolnir. What's your best series? Like whole thought of like a show that goes beginning middle end runs the whole gamut and comes to a nice tidy conclusion that is at the showrunners like behest they're like I'm done because right now that show for me is justified and I think the Americans is poised to surpass that is just ter- in terms of a I like justified thought. from top to bottom I liked it uh, I don't know I'd like, there's so many great shows. Just come, you know, I mean, I I just say this like, for me, my all-time favorite show because of Seelus. I don't know if Seelus still still listens, but he got me to watch it like, 15 years ago or whatever. Veronica, was Veronica Mars. Mars, which is so compromised. It, you know, it didn't end the way he wanted. They made a movie that wasn't very good. Yeah. You know, like, that I you know I have a T-shirt. I I sponsored the movie. I was yeah. one of the people who put a million dollars into the first day. Um, but like now we have the Good Place, which is just. Is it just better than Veronica Mars, Veronica Mars? So it's so good. I think A Good Place is my favorite show uh, on TV right now. By the way, what was the, what was the name of the um, the boyfriend that uh, the robot, not a robot, made? <clears throat> oh, the one who's from Brooklyn Nine-Nine? Yeah. I don't remember. Yeah, he just walked by here. The actor. Like, about five minutes ago. Oh, I noticed him, and I'm like, how do I know that guy? <laughs> he just looks like a homeless guy. <laughs> yeah. Yo, Brooklyn, do you like Brooklyn Nine-Nine? I do. I'm... I'm I only watch Brooklyn Nine-Nine on airplanes. When I, 
I'm one of the assholes who gets shows canceled. I watch everything on streaming like a year later. Yeah. Like literally a year later. Like I watched New Girl season six. I stopped watching it like last week. Season seven ended two weeks ago. I actually caught up all of season seven. Do you, you know like New Girl? I, don't, I never really, it, it was fine for me. New Girl at its height is the funniest show on TV. The problem is like it's very uneven from its height. Yeah. I thought it ended well for people who like the show, but like it's not like a great ending. But I mean, that would be a good example of a show that ended on the terms that they wanted it to end on. Yeah. It's a very appropriate New Girl ending. Um, but like, you know, if you weren't like a big New Girl fan, you wouldn't get you wouldn't yeah, yeah. get why it was a good ending. Um, I don't know, I can't think of, so many shows like House, like, was just not good in its like last season and it was so great for a long time. House was always just fine. House was just like- You House, think it was just fine? I think House is just fine as, as a series, right? Like any given episode is terrific. But like as a series, it's just it's pretty. It was like a notch above regular formula, formulaic yeah. procedural show. I'd have to go back and watch. I, I actually went. I had this thesis for a while that like Thirty Rock radically declined in quality at some point, but it, it didn't. And I'm not sure why I thought that. Watching it live, I think Thirty Rock might be my top to bottom. Went the way that they wanted it to, because it 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 did not decline really, and uh, it was outstanding. I, I, yeah, I enjoyed it throughout. So. Um, I mean, Parks and Rec. Were you a big Parks and Rec fan? I need to, I need to go back again. Parks and Rec, like for sitcoms, I'm just never good about watching them straight through. So I need to go back, and that's one of the shows on my to binge list. So you know, I've started rewatching Breaking Bad recently. Yeah. You, you think Breaking Bad is just replacement level television? I don't think it's replacement level. TV. I think at its best seasons, it's heady, and it got stronger as it went on. It ends. And it, it, the last season's terrific. I think I the think first couple seasons are I, medium. I'm on season one right now. I, my recollection, I'm, I'm not too deep into season one. Yeah, right, but yeah. Like my recollection is you crazy. Okay. I think it started off great and got really great. Oh, what about Mad Men? Mad Men is a is a great example. Mad Men might be yeah. Oh, um, and that ending. Yeah. Well, you and I couldn't even agree on how like the, how the show ended. Yeah. Yeah. Show that that's got to be the answer. I mean, that okay. that might be the best, the best consi- cons- you know, just on a consistency level, best drama. best drama of all time. Um, that I think that'd be real. That it, maybe it's Mad Men. That that show's so good. Um, wow, we didn't say any shows with with like any people who aren't just like cisgender white people. <laughs> Not a one. They don't. They must not make television. They will fade. Yeah, we're also talking about some shows that are completed. Yeah, but I mean, there's a you know, there. I think there's a lot of shows that are um, coming from other angles from creators now. Sure. Yeah. But I know you know even when I really like I love Blackish for example, right? I love Blackish. I think Blackish speaks to me in a certain way, even though that's not the kind of minority that I am. Um, But. you know, I don't. I, I as much as I love it, I don't ever think of it as like, oh, this is an this is an apex of art. Sure. Although I'll often say like, this is a great. Just like I'll just like immediately text my wife when I finish watching an episode. I'll be like, oh, you have to watch this. Episode. They did this crazy stuff. And I think like one of the reasons is like Blackish is the most nakedly commercial show on television. They'll just do a show about how come you should get the premium pass at Walt Disney World, and they're like owned by Disney, and like they'll do an episode about why you should buy this one car. They're like the whole episode is like, oh, we bought this particular model of this car for our 16 year old daughter it's just a 30 minute long commercial for the car it's so naked right and you know like no other show on tv is like that how how far away do you think we are from micro targeting on television so that you watch an episode of 
blackish yeah. and you see a breakfast cereal on the table because you have kids and I see some other product placement because I don't have kids. So that, that'll never happen um, the way that we think of television, right? So if we, as we have I, I, more- script, Scripted, yeah, like scripted more, entertainment. Well, it depends on, look, where's the line between television and video game right now, right? So like if, you, if you're saying like there, you have a blurrable line between television and video game, it's already happening, right? Um, you you see targeted advertisements depending on where you live, right, like right. going through a maze in a video game, right? Right. So that's what I'd say. Like as long as there's television, because like video games are the same thing, right? right. There's cutscenes, there's story, there's near uh, Injustice Gods Among Us cutscenes. I don't know if you've ever seen this. Somebody just took all the cutscenes and made a two-hour movie, right? and it's a great movie. <laughs> First of all, the story is amazing, yeah. right? So. I'll send you the link if you yeah, haven't seen yeah, yeah. it on YouTube. Yeah, I haven't seen it's it. a two-hour movie of just the cuts. I mean, it's awkward in some parts because like the player has to like throw batarangs to get through the cutscene, right? Like, <laughs> but like it's just the narrative is amazing. It's a great story. It's just quote well acted, right? It's Kevin Conroy as Batman. Right. Yeah. Super yeah. compelling. Um, so that already exists, right? right. So, uh, but you know, as we think of television, it will never exist, right? That that's not the like that's not achievable through the media. How television is transferred, but if you think about like, I don't think Netflix could be or Amazon Netflix isn't could television. be very close. Well, but they are. They are. I mean, like, is YouTube television? Yes. It's weird. Oh my god. Uh-oh. Just go to like one, two, three movies and do this or whatever. I don't know what. Well, your preferred stealing things of choice is okay. <laughs> Have you watched Cobra Kai? I haven't yet. It is fucking awesome. Uh, yeah. I'm sort of stubbornly resisting it. You are only hurting yourself. <laughs> First of all, my whole family has the same reaction. I thought this was going to be terrible. Okay. okay. And then, like, second of all, we're like, ease into the, like, this is surprisingly good. Two, I can't stop watching. Two, this show is remarkably layered and well done. Okay. It's okay. like, I mean, you've watched the original Karate Kid movies, I assume. Uh, of course. Okay. Like, it. Okay, Cobra Kai is co- what Cobra Kai is, right? So don't expect to watch The Americans when you watch Cobra Kai. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's 30 minutes long, not an hour long. It's got very kitschy elements intentionally. And it's ultimately the story of Johnny and Daniel. I've seen okay? the trailer. Okay? I know what it is. Yeah. It is funny. It's like personally transformative. Here, it's, here, I make you this promise. When we do our next podcast this fall. I will. I thought we were doing 52 episodes. What is this, our third episode? This Actually, the I, first one wasn't even in 2018. I it was in December. Shh. You think they don't know? They don't you think know. the three they people don't. who still listen to us don't know? <laughs> All right. I gotta, I'm going to have to get moving soon. So let me, let me ask you. Predictions. Okay. Top eight. Proto Dominaria. What does the breakdown look like for the decks in the top eight? Uh, two blue whites, more than three black reds, a uh, green deck, and a black white deck. Okay. No, no surprise decks in your estimation. You don't think that there's anything? I don't know that Shout has got it in him on this one. Uh, I don't know. If there's tools, right? Like, it's just most of the things that you can do with like kind of. I'm gonna say like a roguish deck. Like the black red deck accomplishes in a more compact way. Just when we we're joking about. Guy's Blessing was already a card that does everything Guy's Blessing wants to do. I'm going to set the over-under on a half for Guy's Blessings in the top eight. Under. (laughs) 
The green deck doesn't I, want it. I'm gonna take the over. Over on a half. Over on a half. I mean, you I guess you have the, to set the line at one. Really, you set, the, you set the line at like two. It's <laughs> around two. Nobody plays one guy's blessing, Brian. <laughs> well, that's why you take the over. Well, what if you one. like meted one guy's blessing against the Ippy Rivulets in in uh in the blue white deck? That would be insane. I'm, call, I'm, I'm gonna take the over. On, on one, on one. yeah. Do you, do you think the deck will be able to cast the guy's blessing? I have no idea. I have no idea, but I'm calling. If I don't like guys blessing decks that can't cast the guys blessing, I yeah. think that's BS. Like uh, you know, um, Alan Comer would make like Thrand Tome decks that just like put cards directly into the graveyard so you could shuffle with guys sure. blessing. So if you, Which for example, dark cheating. bargain, you you dark bargain. If you dark bargain and you put gaze blessing in the graveyard, that'll. It's like look at the top three cards, put two of them in your hand, put one in the graveyard. I'm sure if someone wanted to do that and pay the life, which some of the mono black decks do. Yeah. You know, you could accomplish this thing. Yeah. See. I don't know what. <laughs> what got this? Is so doing. the real, more interesting question is, if a mono black deck makes top eight, will it play the Cabal Coffers? What's the name of that card? Cabal Stronghold? Yeah. Will it play that card? Because that card is, like, pretty controversial. I think it's really powerful, but, like, some players who are mono-black aficionados are like, no, you'd rather so what's the your, What's your line for Cabal Strongholds in the top eight? Two? Two and a half. Okay, and you would take... I'm going to take... I would take the under on that. On two and a half? I would take the under also. Yeah. But I think the over is plausible. If okay. there's a mono-black deck in the top eight, there's, like, at least a 40% chance there's three, three or more Cabal Strongholds. Yeah. Um, what do you think here is a better one? What's the line on walking ballistas? Ooh. Ooh. So, you got to set the line at 16, I think. I'll take the over. Wow, really? Are you kidding? That's only four fully loaded walking ballista decks. Did it, all the decks that aren't blue-white and mono-green play walking ballista. Oh, you just broke down something that would have uh, four non... You had, what, two blue-white? And a green deck. All and the rest of those decks oh. have got walking ballistas. So you're, so you're going to say 20 walking ballistas. I think there could be 28 walking ballistas. Wow. Okay. It's possible. How many hearts? Put heart at, like, 17. There's not a lot of fully loaded heart decks. Okay. The green deck might play, play heart. The uh, black-white deck might play four heart, but most of them play, like, three hearts. So... Um, to ferry you have at I'd set the line at 12, it at 12 and a half to ferry. Wow. But I'd take the under. Okay. Okay. No, that's too high. Let's say, let's say set, if I set the line at 9 to ferries. Yeah. You take the over? No, I would take the under, I think. Really? Yeah, I think I take the under. I think I think 8 to ferries in the top 8 is easy. Okay. Well, I mean, I think that is. That's yeah. still under nine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I would say it's easy, you know. Yeah. All right. So this has been uh, Brian David Marshall, Michael J. Flores for Top Eight Magic TV, Thor Comics, and no Thor? basketball. Thor, God of Thunder. You will find religion. All right. Give it. It's. 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 So it's good. eluded me thus far. So. I, I. I literally said to like my wife after I finished reading, I'm like, what if we just switched to Thor? <laughs> And she's just like, uh, I'm an atheist, so what am I switching from? Like, why don't we just start with Thor? Yeah. She's just like, I'd do that. I'm a Viking. <laughs> oh, sorry, that's my was like a five-foot-tall Viking. Perfectly reasonable. All right. All right, that's it for Top 8 Magic. We'll be back really soon. Like in June? Yeah, well, yeah, after, after the Pro Tour. All right, bye.